You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia discuss the primary care issues that are on their mind and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about environmental toxins and plastics. I'm joined by Dr. Joanna Parga-Belenke from the CHOP Division of Neonatology. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start right off with talking about BPA, which is bisphenol A. This was banned from infant products in 2012. So tell me why BPA is bad for babies. So yeah, as a neonatologist, I'm going to give you a bit of a baby perspective, Mm -hmm. but you know, plastic recommendations that the AAP just put out aren't just for babies, and we'll get into that. But if you consider that infants, especially newborns, are immature, they're rapidly developing, and that development is a lot in the first year of life. Mm-hmm. So they're a very vulnerable population to any sort of chemical disruption to their normal development. So BPA, or bisphenol A, it's an indirect food additive that's used in polycarbonate plastic containers and also as a resin for various food and beverage cans. Endocrine disruption is the primary concern for BPA. Specifically, there's a worry um, that it can convert um, cells to adipocytes Mm -hmm. and then also affect the transfer of glucose across the adipocytes and disrupt pancreatic beta cell function. So all of this can foster obesity, um, Mm -hmm. which has been a big public health concern, especially in pediatrics. And there are reports that it can affect executive functioning and neurodevelopment in children as well. And it's really not just BPA. I think that's one that we all hear about and get scared of. But the AAP is also um, saying that they worry about things called phthalates, um, PFCs, or perfluoroalkali chemicals, and perchlorates, which are all, again, these sort of indirect food additives that can be endocrine disruptors, are obesogenic, and in some cases, too, and I didn't mention this, can be carcinogenic. So with all that being said, should we not use plastic baby bottles? So, you know, we cover this a little bit. We have a a podcast called Baby Doctor Mamas, which you can look up. It's on babydoctormamas.com. And we kind of touch upon this because there's so much plastic use in baby care. Um, And I think there's still a lot of evidence that we need to gather about what the long-term kind of harmful effects of this plastic exposure are. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's still ongoing research um, that we need to really see um, how much of this is plastics, is it multifactorial, what other things in the environment. Um, And I say all this because I think for some families it might be really unreasonable to just be replacing all their plastic containers, bottles. It's everywhere. It's cheaper. Um, You know, we'll get into this when we talk about plastic in the NICU. It's Mm -hmm. easy to wash. Um, and, And you can really start to go down a rabbit hole with the amount of ubiquitous pediatric plastic products there are, especially for babies. So with the amount of ubiquitous pediatric plastics products there are, especially for babies, like why would you just stop at discarding baby bottles? Would you start thinking of replacing how you store your breast milk, how you pump your breast milk, you know, what food containers Mm -hmm. you're using for food storage? It can get overwhelming Mm -hmm. to think about all of the things that you could be replacing. So when these recommendations came out, for example, I was already using plastic bottles for my daughter and I had been for five months. 
And, and I kept using them because right. it wasn't realistic or feasible for me to um, switch out because it's also a cost expense too. Mm-hmm. And when you already have all the equipment, you know, you have to purchase new. Right. And again, because the research is not very robust in this area. So, you know, I thought about trying to minimize the effects of plastics in other ways mm-hmm. besides just replacing everything I had. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate, although you mentioned the research is not robust, that the AAP is trying to give us this kind of heads up, like while we're getting future research, at least being mindful of this. So beyond just throwing out all the plastic in our cabinets, what can we do to reduce or minimize the risk when we are using plastics? Yeah, and I have to agree with you. I think it's very bold of the AAP to come out and say, hey, this is a real environmental risk factor and Mm -hmm. it's something that we should be mindful of. Um, And, you know, I think being mindful doesn't mean, again, getting rid of all your plastic and that being the end of the story. So one thing we know is that heating plastics is when the chemicals can really leach from the material. So washing your plastics by hand, avoiding the dishwasher, which can get to higher temperatures, can help when you're thinking about plastics. Worst news for a parent right there, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, you know, (laughs) that is something that I started to do with my baby bottles. And I was using the Dr. Brown's bottles, which have many inserts Mm -hmm. to help kind of even the flow and try yeah. to control the amount of gas that the baby's getting. So it's it's a labor mm-hmm. of love. Right. Um, also, avoiding microwaving foods um, could also be beneficial when you're thinking about the negative effects of plastics. Um, and then, you know, and then there's also the idea, you know, if you did want to not use plastic, just finding alternatives mm-hmm. to substitute with. Um, again, that'll be more expensive and kind of depends on you and your goals and mm-hmm. your household. But but there are substitutes out there, too. Right. So worth mentioning. So speaking of those substitutes, I know a lot of people will switch to glass or stainless steel, but a lot of baby products are made out of silicone. So is this a safer alternative to plastic? So silicone is a synthetic material. It's made from sand. It's believed to be non-toxic, but there's limited evidence that it's safe. Mm -hmm. And there are some concerns about chemical leaching with heating of silicones as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There are medical and food grade silicones. Most nipples for bottles are made from silicone. the feeling is it's better than plastic, so it's definitely an alternative for mm-hmm. families that want to use it um, and reduce plastic exposure. But the AAP, you know, in their recommendation statement, does say that stainless steel and glass are probably the superior alternatives. Great. So not all plastics are equally bad. So what does the recycling code on the plastics tell us? That's a great question because, I, you know, there's a recycling code on every plastic recyclable, mm-hmm. and I feel like people don't pay much attention yeah. to it. Um, I think we'd all know it, though, if right. we saw it. So yeah. it's the um, number in the triangle. Exactly. You have the triangle of arrows, and then within that triangle, there's a number, and that number tells you something about the plastic and the grade of plastic and how it's recycled. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are seven grades. And so I don't want to go over all seven types of plastic, but there's ones in particular that the AAP mentioned that you should avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, So three numbers that they want you to avoid. For phthalates, that's number three. Mm -hmm. Um, So avoid number three. And then number six is styrene, which is also known to be toxic. And then number seven is BPA, um, which we just talked about. So you're a neonatologist, and there's a lot of plastic in the NICU. Do you think that these new guidelines will lead to any changes in that? I think maybe in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a great department here at CHOP that's very thoughtful and has actually started to discuss um, plastic use in our NICU. Um, again, the evidence right now isn't convincing that there's enough harm to outweigh the benefits of use, especially when you're talking about use in an acute care setting like the mm-hmm. NICU. Right. Um, in areas 
of the hospital, like the NICU, we rely a lot on plastics mm -hmm. in hospital care. We talked about this earlier, but they can be washed to prevent infection, mm -hmm. which is something we worry about a lot, especially in small babies who right. don't have well-developed immune systems. And they're very durable plastics, so they can withstand being used for weeks or months. Right. And, you know, unfortunately in the NICU, we have babies that are here for that long. So plastics are life-saving mm -hmm. for our patient population. Uh, there's ongoing studies about exposures to these plastics in neonates. One study that's worth watching is the Developmental Impact of NICU Exposures, or DINE study, by Judy Ashner. But until we have studies that show us that there's real harm to the infants, we can't justify using other materials. Because if you think about replacing plastics, then we're going to have to find an alternative, and there'll be drawbacks to that alternative as well. So right now, it's a risk-benefit analysis. But... We're being very thoughtful, and we're going to keep looking at the studies and the evidence for replacing it potentially in the future if we find that it's harmful. It's good to hear that people are thinking about it already, too. Definitely. Definitely. The AAP policy statement also addresses food additives. So what are some of the additives that we should avoid, and when and where might babies be exposed to them? Yeah, so we had talked about indirect mm -hmm. um, food additives, but the biggest direct food additives mentioned um, especially in the AAP statement, or in our nitrates or nitrites. Mm -hmm. These are found to interfere with thyroid hormone production and increase carcinogens in the body. And they are generally used as preservatives for meat products. Right. Um, so we can talk about what that means in a minute. But I just want to mention that the other area of food additives is artificial food colorings mm -hmm. um, that have actually been found to increase ADHD symptoms. Right. And again, we need more research in this, these areas, but for now, the AAP is recommending that fresh fruits and vegetables be consumed by children, something that nutritionists would also recommend, right. and to make sure you wash fruits and vegetables before eating them. Additionally, they say to try to avoid processed meats. Mm -hmm. So we know that nitrates, nitrites are in meats, mm -hmm. and to actually especially avoid those during pregnancy. Right. Um, so again, trying to eat clean, trying to wash your produce, trying to stay away from processed foods. For infants, that would mean looking for all natural products and considering boiling and blending fresh fruits and vegetables for consumption when infants start on purees. And then if, again, if it's feasible for you to do, to try to use glass containers, like glass mason jars mm -hmm. instead of plastic for containers storage. for food storage in the fridge. So we've been talking a lot about infants. So do environmental toxins pass into breast milk? So... It's a great question. Yeah. The short answer is yes, um, but I hesitated because, you know, I don't want mothers to get undue anxiety when they listen to yeah. this. Um, they have enough to worry about. They have enough to worry about, but I mean, there are detectable levels of chemical agents in breast milk. Mm -hmm. You know, does that mean you have to worry? I, I think, you know, we don't know what levels to consider as normal or abnormal because we don't test breast milk enough to know. Right. We know that during pregnancy, we have to worry about chemical exposures more than when breastfeeding. So again, it's a risk-benefit analysis. Right. So if we believe the benefits of breastfeeding outweigh any suspected harm from chemical exposures in breast milk, mm -hmm. then you should breastfeed. And we do because... Right. We know that um, breastfeeding has many proven benefits right. for infant health and development. You know, it might be a different story if a mom is very sick from a known chemical exposure. That might be a time that she would want to discuss with her physician or her pediatrician about breastfeeding her baby. But I think that that would be the only really real time to worry because we just know how beneficial breast milk is. So I wouldn't right. not breastfeed my child knowing that I have certain environmental exposures just 
from eating the foods I eat or whatnot. Um, But, you know, the same, the AAP recommendations to eat fresh fruits and vegetables, to try to avoid processed meats. I think those are, yeah, those are things that pregnant moms can start doing and think about when they're breastfeeding as well, since they're going to be wanting to hopefully make those changes for their children. Right. Make that change as a household. Yeah. So for these little NICU babies, maybe, who are exposed to these environmental toxins, what are some of the negative health outcomes from exposure to these potential endocrine disruptors? So a baby's endocrine disruption early in life can have lasting consequences because you're talking about um, the development of the whole endocrine system. Mm-hmm. Um, so the programming of these organs is occurring, and when that process is disrupted, it can change kind of how everything is processed. Uh, we talked about this obesity risk earlier, right. and that's a big one. Um, there's also the concern for thyroid dysregulation in particular, mm-hmm. um, and then reproductive health could be affected. Um, so I think, you know, again, we need more research to understand all of this, but the endocrine disruption can be multiple mm-hmm. endocrine systems mm-hmm. and could be leading to things like our obesity epidemic or could be part of why we're seeing that. So right. I know our friends in endocrine are studying this, so we'll look forward to more research probably down the road coming in this area. Yeah. So there's still a lot that we don't know about this topic. So what are the next steps? So the AAP is really leaning on the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA to start updating their guidelines and to provide more resources for research into chemicals that are generally regarded as safe. Mm -hmm. Um, They're calling for more for the federal government to encourage open access to information and transparency about manufacturing, especially of food products. Given the environmental crisis with the rising use of plastic waste, we might also consider decreasing our use of plastics, not only for our children's immediate health, but for the health of the planet that we live on and for the future of our planet. But that's a whole other discussion outside of the pathophysiology of just plastic usage. Yeah, But, um, but I think it's really, again, bold and promising of the AAP to be advocating for all of these things and, and having us all take a deeper look into our own habits. And we will link to the policy statement that we've referenced here on our website, which is www.chop.edu slash PCP podcast. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention more about your podcast, which is (laughs) awesome. So anyone ever wanted um, to have a neonatologist as their best friend giving them advice during pregnancy and the newborn period, they should listen to Baby Dr. Mama's. Um, so tell us where we can find you and, and what your podcast is about. Yeah, so we have a website, babydoctormamas.com. Um, we also have that handle on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're always open to having um, parents give us new topics that they'd like for us to discuss. So definitely visit us, message us. You'll find all our contact information on the website. Great. So thank you so much for clarifying a lot of this um, stuff that we're still learning about and helping us put into context of how it affects our most vulnerable patients. Yeah, thank you for inviting me and and looking forward to discussing more baby topics with you in the future. Great, thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash podcasts for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you.